0: This is WCNY's The Capital Press Room, and we're turning our attention to the state's Cannabis Social Equity Investment Fund, a 2022 initiative from Governor Kathy Hochul, designed to help finance the initial wave of marijuana dispensaries in New York, and has, at least until recently, struggled to realize the full level of private funding initially envisioned. To make sense of the latest news from this corner of the recreational marijuana landscape, we're joined by Brad Racino, editor and publisher of New York Cannabis Insider, a project of Syracuse.com that you have to follow if you're interested in marijuana news from the Empire State. Welcome back to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me, as always. It's our pleasure. So can you rewind a little bit to what was envisioned with the Cannabis Social Equity Investment Fund when it was put together last year? And then, I guess, fast forward to how that vision has squared with reality over the last year? This all came
1: about last, I want to say it was March of 2022, when Governor Kathy Hochul unveiled her Seeding Opportunity Initiative, which was a multi-step plan to get the market rolling. Part of that involved awarding conditional licenses to growers to get plants in the ground. Um, and then fast forward, and you had the CARD program, the Conditional Adult Use Retail Dispensary Program that would prioritize justice-impacted individuals, those who have been affected by the war on drugs. Those are the people who are supposed to get uh, or supposed to be first in line for getting a retail license. However, those people needed support and they needed money and they needed funding. So as part of that, the governor proposed this cannabis social equity fund, which was supposed to be a $200 million pot of money that would be overseen by the dormitory authority of the state of New York. Uh, whoever they picked as a fund manager through an RFP process would be responsible for raising $150 million of that 200 million for private investors. And that money would be used to find and negotiate leases and and sites around the state to basically give these card licensees a turnkey storefront out of which to operate. So the state pledged $50 million and and 150 million was supposed to be raised again from the private sector. That took uh, almost a year because since the Fund manager was selected last June. There has been zero dollars raised. There's always been talks of you know fund is being close to funded, or you know they're in talks with people, but we've never seen any receipts until this news uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago that this uh, Chicago Atlantic, out of obviously Chicago, had contributed the entire 150 million to this pot of money, and therefore the entire card program build out should technically be funded.
0: Well, I want to talk about the private money and the ramifications potentially of that. But in, in terms of the state's share, that $50 million that was supposed to be funded uh, with cannabis revenue that the state collected, is there any indication that that money is being utilized uh, as part of the marijuana uh, retail rollout so far?
1: Yeah, so that's what they had to use to get the card program started because they didn't have the other $150 million. So I think it was back in February... We had asked DASNY, uh at that point, like, how much of the $50 million have you used? And they said that they had used approximately $3 million of it so far. I think at that point, there were less than five actual card dispensaries. There might have only been like one or two at that point that were the kind that were relying on the fund. But ever since then, since February, DASNI has not responded. They will not answer uh, how much of the rest of the money they have used. They've just stopped being uh, transparent about that.
0: And that's a hallmark of this marijuana rollout so far uh, by DASNY. So there might be limited answers to my next question, which is, has the money that uh, has been promised from the private investors, is there reason to believe that's actually made it in the fund's bank account, so to speak? Is this money that's actually materialized and can be spent in the near future?
1: We have no idea. I don't think so. I, I, From all indications, it's not like Chicago Atlantic wrote a $150 million check, New York State cashed it, and it's sitting in an account somewhere. From what I've heard and what I've read the little bits here and there, Chicago Atlantic is going to be heavily involved in the site locations and where these card dispensaries are going to be approved and, and set up. And I think it's going to be that the money's coming forward on like a rolling basis, but uh, to, to be totally honest, we have no idea. Um, we have put those questions into DASNY. They haven't answered them. Nobody I know has any like further insight into exactly how is this going to work.
0: And what's their incentive for putting uh, up this money? Will they get ownership stakes in these companies? Are they going to collect interest on the money they're loaning? Are they just big fans of small business? What seems to be uh, their stake in this process?
1: They operate a real estate investment trust. So, like, you know, real estate around the country is kind of their thing. I assume that they're going to get a percentage of their investment back. But again, I, I, we have no idea. I haven't seen the, the actual term sheet. We haven't seen any signed agreements. I, I should give a shout out Green Market Report did get an interview with someone from Chicago Atlantic where they kind of talked a little bit about. The details, but again, that wasn't even that forthcoming. The one thing that stuck out in that was was how heavily involved Chicago Atlantic plans to be in selecting and, and overseeing kind of these card dispensaries, which just seems problematic in that like now you have yet another entity involved in this already really difficult to navigate situation for these card licensees of like, who do we go to for approval? Who's our boss? Who are we leasing this from? Like now you're introducing another entity, but as far as what they get back, it's, I mean, primarily money. I mean, they, they're they making an investment. They want to see a return on it, but the details,
0: no clue. And is there reason to believe based on the pace of the rollout so far that there is demand for the $150 million in private capital? Because as you mentioned, only 3 million of the state's share had been spent as of February. So is there even the demand for all of this $200 million total?
1: I would think so. I mean, there's now 300 or almost 300. There will be 300 licensed card, I'm sorry, 300 card licensees. Only 150 of those um, right now apparently have access to that fund. But if some of those people decline the fund, then it kind of moves on to the next in line among the second group, the another 150. And the way that DASNI is rolling this out, I mean, especially in New York City, this has been one of the major critiques is they are finding these gigantic, gigantic retail locations that are so costly that they're costing, you know, a million and a half dollars a pop for one of these stores. So if you had 150 of them using this fund, that wouldn't 200 million wouldn't be enough. Now granted, it's not going to be a million and a half dollars all across the state. But New York City, I would expect at least half of the dispensaries in the state to be there. So I think that that money could get completely used up through the card program as long as things keep rolling along and these licenses get set up.
0: Well, I've heard anecdotal reports from potential dispensary owners that they're looking to simply opt out of this process and go it alone. Are you hearing that's the case more widespread amongst uh, potential retailers?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of divided. I mean, some people are just completely fed up with this whole DASNI process and want nothing to do with the fund and just want to go it alone. And maybe they have the means, maybe they have the savings or they know people or they have investors, while others maybe don't want to use the fund, but they have no other options for capital. And this is, uh, cannabis is extremely hard to get capital in. And so they're kind of stuck using the funding if they don't want to. But then there are others who gladly will wait in line for the fund, see no problem with it, see it as their best bet and best option. I don't have like a percentage breakdown of how many you know want to go with the fund, how many don't. But it seems anecdotally evenly split-ish so far based on maybe 40 or 50 interviews I've done, not 300.
0: Well, turning to another corner of the marijuana landscape, a few weeks ago, we were getting press releases from the governor uh, about uh, the state trying to ramp up its effort to stop illegal sales. They were touting the amount of uh, products that they had uh, stopped the sale of. As the dust has sort of settled from that initial wave What's your sense of the state's crackdown on the illegal market? Has it been slowed in in any meaningful way? Are you hearing anecdotal reports of people shaking in their boots and and, and closing? Or does there seem to still be a a vibrant illegal market?
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely vibrant. And I don't think I'm stepping on a line by saying that this is mainly a show um, because the state knows that it can't. Meaningfully wrap its arms around this problem anytime soon. I mean, they can ramp up enforcement powers. They can give new authority to the Office of Cannabis Management and Department of Taxation and Finance. But the problem got so out of hand over the two years since the cannabis law was was passed that it is a massive, massive undertaking. And if you look at you know put together all the press releases over this year of like how many stores have been raided and cracked down on, I mean, it's probably less than twenty at least on the OCM's part and Department of Taxation and Finance, there have been some other smaller municipalities across the state that their own police forces have gone in and and done stuff, but it's not making a dent in any way. And I think it was the AP a few weeks ago had a story where right after that crackdown, the big one in New York City, they went and visited all the shops. And I think 100% of them were back open like within a day or two. And that just seems to be the case around the state. I don't think most people are just shutting down. They're just going on with business as usual. And that's, it wasn't even more apparent than what happened yesterday in New York City, where they raided Empire Cannabis Clubs, the biggest thorn in the side of of OCM in the state has been uh, flouting that they have this business model uh, and they believe it's legal. And yet they're back to operating today the state has to do something. They can't just sit around and not have any enforcement actions. But on the other hand, you really got to question, is this in any way effective at all? And I don't think the details are out yet to have a definitive answer, but they're going to have to really ramp up if they want to have any kind of meaningful impact.
0: Well, speaking of the state doing something, the legislative session ended in June with lawmakers taking action on extending some licenses that were scheduled to expire and passing some kind of trivial legislation around the margins of farmers selling products uh, to Native American dispensaries. How big of a miss would you say the end of the legislative session was in terms of responding to the comprehensive list of challenges facing the marijuana landscape right now which ranges from farmers having issues, retailers having issues the medical industry having issues
1: yeah <laughs> I'm racking my head here trying to be fair and come up with something that did happen at the end of the session that was a big win but I can't think of anything um, I mean that farm the farmers market and the tribal compact, Would have helped absolutely, and the card licensees, growers, everybody wanted this to happen. There was it was one of those issues, especially at the farmers' markets, where like everyone was on the same page. You didn't have people fighting against each other. They all wanted this thing, and yet it still hasn't happened. And I think the state and some lawmakers were really patting themselves on the back at the end of the session, saying, "Look at what we've done. You know, this bill is is just going to get signed. It's going to fix the problem." And here we are in mid-July. The governor hasn't signed either of them, and it's especially the farmer's market thing was a real blow to growers around the state who have been sitting on this massive inventory of product and really thought they'd have finally, finally have a chance to, to sell it. And now they're, a month and a half or however long later after the announcement that farmers markets were going to happen, they still see nothing. And there's only a limited amount of time where they can actually make these markets happen. And from all indications and from all the people I know inside the government have said like, this thing is not happening, which is just super depressing for for a lot of the industry stakeholders right now. So I would say as far as the end of the session, not great.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Brad Racino. He's the editor and publisher of New York Cannabis Insider, a project of Syracuse.com. Brad, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me as always. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York
1: State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State Union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.